Patrick Francis Brody sat on the wooden bench facing the Boston Inner Harbor with his scuffed old leather briefcase on his lap. He'd swear it was still the dead of winter. The knife-sharp east wind blew off the water at him and sliced through his topcoat, through his suit jacket and his shirt and his undershirt, through his muscles and skin, and penetrated to the marrow of his bones. The April sun that ricocheted off the water was pale and empty of warmth. He'd only been there ten minutes, and already he was freezing his ass off. He hunched his shoulders inside his spring-weight topcoat and shivered. Bad decision, that thin, unlined topcoat. He'd been wearing it for a couple of weeks now back in D.C., where the cherry blossoms were ablaze, and the endless acres of lawns had turned that amazing lime green that made your eyes hurt. It was spring back in Washington. Two hours ago, a couple hundred miles ago, it had been spring. Behind him rose the sweeping glass facade of the John Joseph Moakley United States Courthouse. The building had won several awards, and Pat Brody, who had spent a lot of time in courthouses all over the country, had to admit that it was impressive, architecturally, not that he really gave a shit. It was what the people inside the courthouses did that impressed him, although not always favorably. Brody glanced at his watch. Twelve noon on the dot. He turned and looked back toward the courthouse, and sure enough, punctual as hell, there was Judge Larrigan, strolling down the wide path, looking around. Brody lifted his hand. Larrigan spotted him, waved, smiled that million-dollar, one-eyed smile of his, and started toward him. As cynical as he was, and Pat Brody didn't get to be a special assistant to the President of the United States by being naive, he had to admit that Judge Thomas R. Larrigan was a pretty impressive specimen, well over six lanky feet tall, with a thick shock of black hair sprinkled with dignified gray, a wide, lopsided, fun-loving grin, and, of course, that black eye patch. He moved like an athlete oozed self-confidence. Fifty-nine years old, Brody knew, but he looked about ten years younger. Mature, but not old. Experienced, but not over the hill. The right look didn't hurt. It didn't hurt at all. Larrigan had it. The son of a bitch had his suit jacket hooked on his finger and slung over his shoulder. His tie was loosened at his throat and his cuffs were rolled halfway up his forearms, as if it was the middle of July. Shirt sleeves on a day like this, Jesus. Brody couldn't stop shivering. Then Larrigan was standing in front of him. Mr. Brody, he said. Brody looked up and nodded. Hope I didn't keep you waiting, Larrigan said. Lawyers, you know. You're right on time, I just got here. Larrigan sat beside him on the bench and folded his jacket on his lap. Nice day, huh? I'm freezing my balls off, you want the truth? Larrigan grinned. You get used to it. He shifted so that he was half-turned and looked at Brody out of that one sharp blue eye. I got your message. Pretty mysterious. Don't know why you wouldn't want to get together in my chambers where it's warm. So what brings you to Boston? Do you know who I am? said Brody. Larrigan nodded. Of course I do. Then I thought you might have figured out why I'm here, Judge. 
Maybe I did, Larrigan said. But maybe I'd rather hear you say it just the same. I've been trained to withhold judgment until I've heard all the evidence, you know. Okay, said Brody. Here it is, then. Supreme Court Justice Lawrence Crenshaw has informed the President of his intention to retire at the end of the term. You've heard the rumors. He made it a statement and looked up at Larrigan with his eyebrows arched. Rumors, said Larrigan. Sure, I've heard talk. It's true? It's true, said Brody. And you, Judge, are on the President's personal list.